Good morning, everybody. Pastor Josh and Erica are enjoying some much-needed vacation and rest, so you're stuck with me today. Um, Let's go ahead and pray together, and then we'll dive right in. Father, thank you for your word. We open your word and we read your word because you tell us that man lives off more than bread alone. We need the words of our Father, and that is why we open Scripture together. Um, Help us to receive the words that you have for us. Help us to be comforted by them and challenged by them, and help us to know you better because of them. Help us to know the truth, where the truth will set us free. Give us wisdom and guidance as we look at these things and as you challenge our hearts We pray all these things through the Son and by the Spirit. Amen. So I get to, uh, I started off this series uh, with you all talking about idols. I defined that for you. And now I get to end the series. Uh, So you got this series bookended by me, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Um, But this will be our last, our last sermon in the series on American idols. Um, And so what I want to talk to you today about, actually this happened to me, um, Yesterday, uh, I don't know, you know, so I've got a, a text group, right? Are you all in those where it's just like a whole bunch of people on one text message and it constantly is going off. Um, and we got into a discussion yesterday on one of those that I'm involved in and it had to do with, um, with this. Everybody know what this is? That's the green bubble. If you're an iPhone Apple person, you know what this is. This means that whoever is texting you does not have an iPhone. If you have an iPhone, you get a blue bubble. If you don't have the iPhone, you get the green bubble. And someone just finally got frustrated in this text message thread and said, I'm sick of all these green bubbles. And then someone said, oh, I'm an Android person. You're going to have to deal with it. And we said, well, no, I'm an Apple person, and you should have to deal with it. And then someone sent an article. Apparently, Apple did announce that next year they are finally going to uh, work with the green bubble problem, and they're going to open up their text uh, iMessage system to a different way of, of computing that. I don't understand all the details, but I'm told Apple finally sort of gave in and said, all right, we'll deal with the green bubble situation. So um, I use that just, just to illustrate that we all have, have tribes, right, that we like to be a part of. You an Android person or an Apple person. Uh, And then maybe some of you still have the Nokia brick phone and you're playing Snake right now. I don't know. Um, but but we, you tend to have these sorts of tribes. You might be, you know, with vehicles, guys get into this. Are you a Chevy person or are you a person who doesn't like your vehicle to work, right? Uh, so that's... Um Sorry about that. We talked earlier about sports teams. You can be an Astros fan or you can be a World Series champion Texas Rangers fan like I happen to be. Uh, we all sort of naturally um, separate into different tribes, and that's what we're going to be dealing with today. Um, we, we join tribes, and that's very natural to us as human beings. It's just part of how we're made. We are made to, to sort of form up in groups. That's, it's good for us to actually be a part of a tribe. But what we need to do, what we need to avoid is something called tribalism, okay? It's good to be a part of a tribe. It's bad to let that tribe and your place in it, you cross a line into tribalism, 
And that becomes a very uh, big idol for us in our current society. And I think we, we all know kind of how that goes. Um, we all have a longing to belong to a tribe, and that's good. That's how we're made as human beings. That's part of how we have survived so long as a species on this planet is we've, we've come in groups together and we have found common ground around which we can gather, around which we can become a part of each other's lives. Um, and, and we want to belong to a tribe. We have a longing to belong and that's good. But the problem comes whenever we move into tribalism within our tribe. And I'm going to describe for you what that is. So, so there are uh, sort of tribal hierarchies, right? So we can laugh and joke about whether or not we are Apple people or Android people. We can kind of joke and laugh about whether we are uh, Ford people or Chevy people or, or whatever. Uh, but the more serious the tribe's sort of central theme is, the more important that becomes and the stakes get higher, right? So if we're not talking about our phones and which, which operating system we choose, but instead we're thinking about maybe our political persuasions, conservative and liberal, all of the sudden the stakes get higher, right? And that becomes a bigger deal. Um, we, we have all sorts of different things that we might uh, gather around. In, in the Christian church, we have Protestants and Catholic and Orthodox, and those are important things. So the more important those distinctions are, the higher the stakes become. But as the stakes become higher, the more likely it is we will step into tribalism into tribalism, and that's what we've got to avoid. There is a difference between just being a part of a tribe, which is a good, natural, normal, healthy thing, and then stepping into tribalism, and the more significant the characteristic of our tribe is, the more likely it is that we're gonna step into tribalism. So as we get into more important topics that we have opinions about and then form groups around, we need to beware that that could easily uh, take us into tribalism. So what is, what is tribalism? How do we want to think about tribalism. Uh, tribalism is when you find the source of your security, significance, and satisfaction in your tribe. Now, this is how we have defined an idol throughout this whole series. An idol is anything that you find the source of your security, significance, and satisfaction in other than God, right? That's how we've been talking about this. Don't have time to go into all of that every week, but Check out the podcast. Check out uh, where we store all of those things, and you can you can catch up. But tribalism, which is specifically the idol we are talking about today, is when you find the source of your security, significance, and satisfaction in your tribe. Now, again, it's good to be a part of a tribe, and it's good to have security, significance, and satisfaction. The real issue is that word source is the source of your security, significance, and satisfaction, your membership in a particular tribe. Whether that is a political tribe, whether that is a denominational tribe, whether that is uh, some sort of philosophical system that you adhere to, uh, if you start getting your security, significance, and satisfaction from being a member of that tribe, you have crossed into Tribalism. Another way to think about it, an alternative definition, tribalism is when the highest expression of your identity is that of your tribe. And now you might start to see why this is such a big problem in our society. Our society is tied 
to our group identities these days. It's a very big reality that we live in. Whatever the identity of your group is, you feel that you have to take on that identity yourself and the two become interwoven. That's tribalism. Whenever I define myself primarily as a part of whatever tribe that is, okay, I'm not going to pick on any individual tribe today because that would be involving in tribalism, right? So, so, so what, I, what I hope to do is to give you a different framework to avoid tribalism so that we don't fall into, these, into this problem because this is a problem, a big problem in our society. We, just, we identify ourselves with a particular tribe and then we get wrapped up in it and we start looking to fight and we start looking to argue and we start taking our ball and going home right? You remember that as a kid? You just get mad, taking my ball, I'm going home. That's how a lot of these tribalism arguments end, is we just take our ball and go home. And so I want to read to you another passage, and this is where we're going to spend most of our time. Uh, This is out of Mark chapter 9, if you want to turn there with me. Mark chapter 9, and this is just to illustrate that tribalism has always been a problem, Uh, for human beings. It's always been a problem even for Christians. It's always been a problem even with Jesus and his 12 disciples. So the very beginning, I mean, as small as you can get, as close as you can get to the beginning of Christianity, tribalism has been an issue. So let me read this passage to you from Mark chapter 9, beginning of verse 38. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly be rewarded. Interesting, right? So even that early on in Jesus' ministry and the beginnings of Christianity, you already see this tribalism idea. We got to stop him because he's not one of us. And that's what we have to do. And Jesus has some interesting things to say about that. And so what I want to talk to you about today uh, is really just two ideas. Um, I want to talk about the trouble with tribalism, and then I want to talk about how we can triumph over tribalism. Okay, there's lots of tres in there, but you, you follow me. So the trouble with tribalism and triumphing over tribalism is sort of the two big headings I want to deal with today uh, as we get into this. So uh, if you look at verse 38, this is where it all begins. Teacher said, John, uh, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. There's tribalism at the very beginning of this whole thing. Uh, They're already dealing with this. This is not a new problem for the church. The disciples were struggling with this uh, even this at this early stage. See what's happening? They see someone doing, uh, casting out demons, right? Casting out demons in Jesus' name. And John, one of the 12 disciples says, stop doing that because the person doing that wasn't part of their group, wasn't part of the twelve. And so he wanted them to stop. This is not a new thing. In fact, if you keep reading the story of Christianity, uh, it it 
keeps getting worse. Uh, Jesus didn't solve the problem here whenever he said this. It wasn't like, oh, okay. Uh, The disciples and everybody said, all right, so we're all on the same team. We're all on team Jesus. No no problem. Uh, Actually, if you get into the book of Acts, there's this whole Jew-Gentile problem that happens in the early church, and they don't know what to do with each other. Uh, Some people are giving more food to Jewish people and not enough food to Gentile people, and it causes this whole problem, and they have to get deacons, and this is where we get St. Stephen from, who helps distribute things evenly because there's just this natural division among people. We start going, this is my tribe, that's your tribe, and we are at war with each other even within the Christian church. Um, Later on in the book of Acts, you get to Acts chapter 15, they actually have to have a big council. Again, this is early on. This is a a few years into the church's history. They have to have a council where, where Paul and his cohort come and Peter, James, and John are there, and then the, the more uh, Jewish uh, uh, people within the church come and they go, how do, we, how do we need to think about what laws of Moses these Gentile people need to obey? Do they need to be circumcised? Because that's what the Old Testament teaches and they have to have this huge conversation where at the end of which they come and they go, no, we, we don't want to make Gentile people become Jewish people before they become Christians. You don't have to do that. Um, but we've got to figure out how to get along. It's always an issue. Um, we find out then, all right, so we got the Jew-Gentile issue, but but then even within Gentile churches, which is the passage we heard read earlier from Corinthians, a Corinthian church, um, Paul has to write to them and go, I hear that there's divisions among you. You're setting up divisions among yourselves. And Paul says, this is not good. I do not commend you in this. And he says, now I understand you have to be part of tribes. Again, that's normal and natural. The issue comes whenever we step into tribalism. And so Paul says this is not the way that, that we behave when we come together, especially around the table of the Lord's Supper, we come together as one. It's an important issue and a problem that, that they've always had. He says, you know, elsewhere in 2 Corinthians, he brings up, some of you claim to follow me, Paul, some of you claim to follow Apollos, and some of you claim to follow Jesus, and there's all these divisions among you. So they were picking certain teachers and leaders, and they were saying, that's my tribe, is this particular person or this particular leader. It's a good thing we don't do that anymore as Lutherans, right? Uh, We don't pick a teacher and go, oh, that's my tribe. Oh, sure we do. We're in a Lutheran church right now. Uh, It's named after a guy named Martin Luther. We still do this, or John Calvin. Uh, It's always been a problem. Um, Again, it's not bad to be in a tribe. We need these tribes. It's bad whenever we start to cross into tribalism and start to make our tribe fight with other tribes. That's the problem. And so what I want to give you first is just some three warning signs of tribalism, okay? So here's three warning signs that are going to tell you, hey, I might be getting close to crossing that line into tribalism if you see any of these things uh, sort of pop up in your life. The first one is you say, they are always wrong. They are always wrong. That's what happens in tribalism. If you look in verse 39 again, um, Jesus says, do not stop him. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. So what John has done here is John has said, hey, you stop casting out demons in the name of Jesus because you're not one of me. What's going on there? John couldn't see that someone was casting out demons in the name of Jesus. It's not a bad thing to do. And Jesus says, Why are you so angry about this? But see, in tribalism, you can't see that anything they do is good. 
everything they do is always wrong, even if it's casting out demons in Jesus' name in this instance. See, John was blinded to the good that was being done because he was too concerned about his tribe. That's tribalism. That's one of the things that we do. One of the questions that you can ask yourself to avoid tribalism is instead of saying they are always wrong, ask yourself, can you ever give credit to your opposing tribe for a good idea? Or does that just hurt you too bad? Again, this is our polarized society, right? You're a Fox News person or a CNN person or, or whatever, and you can't ever say, actually, that, was a, that wasn't a bad idea from the other side. No, everything's always, everything they do is always wrong. So can you ever give credit to your opposing tribe? If not, if that bothers you too much, be warned you're stepping into tribalism. The second warning sign, we are always right. It goes with they are always wrong. We are always right. They are always wrong. We become incapable of criticizing our own side. We have to spin everything on our own side that even though we know somewhere, ah, that, that was a bad look, that, that, that isn't right what we just did, but I've got to spin it to, to either argue why it actually is okay or point to why what you did was worse, right? That's what we do. That's tribalism. Um, there's this great passage. Uh, John had a brother named James, and Jesus gave them a nickname, Anybody know what their nickname was? The Sons of Thunder. <laughs> Why in the world were they called the Sons of Thunder? Well, this comes from Luke chapter 9, verse 51 to 56. I'm not going to read it for you. I'll just tell you the story. You can look it up later. Um, but what happened was the disciples had walked through this Samaritan village. Okay, so already not a Jewish village, a Samaritan town. And the people in that town uh, didn't want anything to do with Jesus and his disciples. They kind of kicked them out. They said, get out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. And so James and John come up to Jesus and go, hey, Jesus. Can you give us the power, this is what they said, to call down fire from heaven and destroy that village for kicking us out? And Jesus goes, oh my goodness, you sons of thunder. See, what's going on there is, is and John is in this situation, John is one of the two brothers, he couldn't see what he was doing is wrong. He was blinded to the fact that what he was asking in, in Luke 9 was to destroy an entire village because they were rude to them. See, that's this inability to criticize your own tribe, to see the problems in your own circles. Are you able to criticize your own tribe? Can you look at your own tribe? Again, it's good to belong to a tribe. It's good to have convictions about things. But can you look at your own tribe and go, nah, I'm not leaving the tribe I'm just saying this isn't the best, and maybe we could get better at that. If you can't criticize your own tribe, then you have walked into tribalism. And then the third, I don't want to understand. This is not I don't understand, okay? It's okay to go, I don't understand. What's wrong is going, I don't want to understand your position, your point of view on any particular issue. That's when we get into tribalism. And again, this is Mark 9, 40, for whoever is not against us is for us, Jesus says. We, we approach this from the opposite way, right? Whoever is not with us is against us. 
And Jesus, Jesus says the opposite. Jesus says, no, no, whoever's not against us, whoever's not actively trying to destroy us, they're fine. Leave them alone. But we approach people with, from a different perspective. We, what happens in tribalism, and this is, this is the big problem with tribalism, what happens in tribalism is we start to live in a posture where we look at everybody else as a threat. We start to see everyone that we meet as a potential threat instead of a potential ally. And so when you walk into a place and there's a bunch of new people, you start measuring them up. You start sizing them up and you start going, okay, who are my friends here and who do I not need to trust? And we start from a perspective where everybody else in the world is a threat. And, and what happens is you end up just doing simple things like going to the grocery store and you're like, everybody stay out of my way, right? You ever feel that way? Like, oh man, just keep everybody away. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to go in and get my milk and my bread and I want to leave. And I want to get in and get out as soon as possible. That sounds more like a war zone, right? <laughs> Than just a friendly community where we all live and survive together. It's because we get so used to living in this tribalism that we even start seeing regular individuals as potential threats to us. Maybe that person makes more money than me. Maybe that person is smarter than me. That person is obviously better looking than me. And so I'm going to start finding ways to attack and to protect myself from all of these external threats. Jesus' posture seemed to be different. Jesus' posture seemed to be, look, I'm open to everybody. Until you prove yourself an enemy, you're with me. There may be enemies, but Jesus didn't start there. Jesus started with everybody is a potential friend, not a potential enemy. That's a different perspective. And what happens when, when we live in tribalism is we start, as I said earlier, we start just taking our ball and going home and we end up in these echo chambers where we just talk to people who think like us and act like us and, and believe the same things we believe and we never get challenged on anything. We never get pushed on anything. We just hang around in our tribe and talk about how bad all the other tribes are and not criticize our own tribe and we just live in these echo chambers. And we polarize and get further and further away from each other. And we no longer have community. That's why tribalism is such a dangerous thing. It's a, it's a tricky thing because we, we go into tribes to survive. But then whenever we step into tribalisms, we actually start to separate. Because what happens is when your tribe separates, then you start finding problems even within your own tribe. And you go, well, okay, now let's back away from them. And then we find more problems and we go, well, let's back away from them. And before long, you actually end up completely and totally isolated. It's a tricky thing. It's a very tricky trick, <laughs> tricksy trick from our enemy who wants to separate us and make us isolated. So when was the last time that you sat across a real literal table with someone who is not in your tribe with a posture of just, I want to listen, and I actually want to learn. Not to argue. I just want you 
to explain your side, and I'm just going to listen. When's the last time you did that? Does that make you really uncomfortable to do? Then maybe you've crossed into tribalism instead of just being a part of a tribe. So that's the trouble with tribalism. Now let's talk about how we can triumph over tribalism real quick. Again, we all have a longing to belong to a tribe, and tribes are good. We long to belong. That is natural. But one of the things that we will do in order to belong to a tribe is we'll start doing radical things. You know, I almost, I almost gathered a bunch of pictures of, of goofy um, generational fashion styles that we're all embarrassed of, you know. Some of you grew up in the era of long sideburns and mustaches, and you hope nobody ever sees that leisure suit picture of you, right? Some of us, me and, me and uh, Luke were talking about this one day. You remember Jinkos? Anybody remember Jinkos? Those were ridiculous pants. Um, but we all wanted them. We thought they were going to make us the coolest people on the planet. But now we hope nobody ever finds those pictures of us wearing those ridiculous pants. If you don't know what Jinkos are, do yourself a favor and Google it. It's spelled J-N-C-O um, because that had to be how it was spelled. I don't know. Um, so we all, the point of that is that we all do kind of radical things to belong to a tribe. We'll do really goofy things sometimes just to belong to a tribe. Now, why? Why is it so crucial? Why do we do crazy things to belong to a tribe? It's because we're afraid of not being a part of a tribe. So the reason we step into tribalism is because we are afraid of being kicked out. Right? That's why we won't ever say that any idea they had is good because we worry that if I say, ah, oh, they actually had a good idea, my tribe might go, get out of here. You're no longer a part of us, right? We're afraid of being kicked out. We're afraid that our side might lose something. And so we can never say, yeah, you did a good job and we messed up. We can't admit that because we're afraid that our tribe might lose, and we sure can't sit across the table from somebody in peace and actually say, I want to learn from your perspective. We can't do that because we're afraid our tribe will ostracize us and go, yeah, I saw you having lunch with that person. You're no longer a part of us. So, so we're stuck in this place where tribes are important for our survival. We need to belong to a tribe. We long to belong somewhere. And yet then we become so afraid of getting kicked out of that tribe that we entrench ourselves in tribalism. And we don't let ourselves ever get outside of that because we're afraid of being kicked out of the place where we long to belong. And that is a problem. It's all about fear. I said earlier that tribalism is, is whenever you place the highest expression of your identity in your tribe. I want to amend that a little bit and think about it a little differently because how do we triumph over tribalism? We triumph over tribalism by placing the highest expression of your identity in the tribe known as the kingdom of God. We all have a longing to belong. And one of the greatest parts of the gospel message is that Jesus says, you belong. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care your views on X, Y, or Z issue. You can all belong to the kingdom of God. And in that belonging, 
you're not going to get kicked out. Jesus Christ has claimed you in the waters of baptism as his own. He has looked at you and said, you belong with me. And I'm not going to throw you away. Nothing you could do, nothing you have done is ever going to kick you out of my tribe. Because my grace and my mercy covers it all. This is an important idea because we all have this longing to belong somewhere and then we're all afraid of getting kicked out of the tribes where we find belonging and Jesus says, come into my tribe, I won't kick you out. You will always belong with me. And he tells his disciples uh, in, in, in this really great, sorry, that's next. I uh, didn't write this one down up there. He tells his disciples in John 14, this is, this is a great picture. We have this longing to belong. He comes to his disciples in John 14 and he says, hey, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to that place. That's our hope as Christian people. Jesus is going. Where is he right now? He is preparing a place for you. A place where you belong. A kingdom where you belong. And he will come back again someday to take you to that place where you will always belong. That's where we can triumph over tribalism. Now, what is the ethic of that kingdom? What is the central tenet? Practically, what does that mean? I always find this interesting. So whenever Jesus was asked the question, um, what's the greatest commandment? If you've been around church for a while, you know. He answered with two. He said, the first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if I were to pin you down and say, you can only pick one of those as the fulfillment of all the law, which one would you pick? Now, most Christians I talk to, whenever I ask them that question, they say, well, loving God is obviously the priority. Paul thought differently in Galatians 5, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Does that mean that loving God isn't important? No. What he's saying is you'll never be able to love your neighbor until you love God. And so, so the fulfillment of, of everything, the entire law is fulfilled according to Paul in one commandment, and that is to love your neighbor. That's what we ought to prioritize because if you go and try to love your neighbor, you're going to find out real quick you need help. <laughs> and that help comes from loving God. And so Paul emphasized, look, look, if you can only do one, focus on loving your neighbor. That's the true ethic of this kingdom. Now, and here's where we get to the hard part, okay? And I've just got a few minutes left, but this is where we get to the hard part because what happens is, is we put all this together and we go, okay, I need to belong to a tribe. My primary identity, my biggest tribe that I belong to is the kingdom of God. All right, now I need to find which tribe on the earth best represents the kingdom of God. And we start to conflate our, our earthly tribe and our heavenly tribe. And we start to think this earthly tribe is actually closer to this heavenly tribe. And so that's the right one and you're in the wrong one. 
And all of a sudden, we're right back into tribalism. Because we've said, we've tried to conflate the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven with some earthly kingdom. And that's why this is so hard. I hear a lot of talk today around the idea of a Christian nation or a Christian society. And let me just press on that for a second. If there really was a truly Christian society in place right now, do you really think you would enjoy living there? Or do you think you would mess it up, if you're being honest? That if there was a society of people who were living perfectly the Christian gospel, and you moved there, would you fit in? Probably not. In fact, I would say definitely not. This is why we cannot fall into tribalism and and start thinking that our particular tribe is the one that's going to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. It's not. There's only one king who can do that. He said he's coming back, and he will come back, and he will establish that place on earth as it is in heaven. And so the question we should be asking ourselves is, how in the world can I become the kind of person who can live in that kingdom that is coming? How can I become the kind of person who is at home in that tribe because that tribe is coming? This is one of my favorite thoughts from C.S. Lewis. He's talking here about a Christian society. I cannot really carry it out, a Christian society. I cannot really carry it out till I love my neighbor as myself. And I cannot learn to love my neighbor as myself till I learn to love God. And I cannot learn to love God except by learning to obey him. For the longest way round is the shortest way home. And here's the point. Without good men, you cannot have a good society. Without good men, you cannot have a good society. The problem with tribalism is we think our tribe, our earthly tribe, is going to accomplish things that only heaven can accomplish. And even if it did accomplish that, we wouldn't fit into that perfect society until we can honestly say we are good men and good women. We have been transformed. The good news is that the Holy Spirit is doing that one piece at a time, one brick at a time. He is transforming us. Here's another great thought that I want to leave you with from a man named Alexander Solzhenitsyn who was a fantastic, uh, very influential writer uh, around the communist world in the USSR. And he said this, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart. That's where good and evil are determined, not in our tribes, but in every individual human heart. And even in the best of all hearts, there remains an uprooted small corner of evil. Even in the best hearts among us, there's some dark corner that has not yet been transformed by the grace of Jesus. It will be. Hear me. It will be, but not yet. So the question is, if we've got to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, how do we love ourselves? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
In what ways do I love myself? Well, if I'm honest, I'm very patient with myself. And I show myself a lot of grace and a lot of mercy. And what I want for myself is to become the kind of person who can live in the kingdom of God. And so I hope and pray and devote myself that my soul might be fit for the kingdom. And I'm patient with myself and I'm trusting God to transform me. That's how I love myself. So then, how should I love my neighbor? The same way. With a lot of patience, a lot of grace, and with the enduring hope that God will transform my neighbor just like he transforms me. And here's even a further step. How can I love my enemy? By hoping and praying that my enemy will be transformed by God's means, the way that only he can do it, that he can transform even my enemy to be the kind of person who fits in the coming kingdom of God. That's how I love myself. That's how I love my neighbor. That's how I can even love my enemy. Devote yourself to hoping and praying for souls to be fit for the kingdom of heaven. Start with your own. Pray for your neighbor. And even pray for your tribal enemy. That that could be said of them. That is how we will triumph over tribalism. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. Again, we know it is challenging, but we do pray that you help us to live by it and be transformed by it so that we might become the kinds of people who are at home in your kingdom. Help us to stop fighting against our neighbor, fighting against our enemy. Help us to avoid the traps of tribalism and become people who are worthy of your kingdom that can only be done by your grace, by the power of your spirit. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.